let's, before we wrap up here, um, there's been a bit of a theme this morning, I think, a little bit of a theme so far about uh, the journey. And a couple of weeks ago, we started, uh, I shared with you about the building and where we're up to with the building. And um, one of the thoughts I wanted to leave you with is that our faith is a journey. It's not a destination. It's not a place that we land at and we're there. It's a continual, consistent unfolding. It's like life. Life is a journey. Life has a starting point and an end point. But what makes life really life is what happens in between. Amen? It's all those things that happen on the way. If life was just about let's get born and then hurry up and have it over with, uh, that wouldn't be real cool, would it? It wouldn't be a fun journey. Let's Let's just start this thing and let's hurry up and get to the end so we can be done with it. Um, that would be a, a, a we would we would sit, consider that a poorly lived life. Um, I heard a wise man once say the the reality of life is that everybody who is born will die, but not everybody who died will have actually lived. So everyone who lived will die, but not everyone who dies will have actually lived. And I believe, 19 years of age, I had this amazing discovery. I had my eyes opened up to the reality of there's this being out there that's ordered the universe and fashioned the world called God. Up to that point, I didn't know about God. I didn't, wasn't brought up in a Christian family or a, a Bible-believing home. We didn't have Bibles in the house. I never went to church. None of that stuff was a part of my upbringing. But at 19, I had this amazing eye-opening moment. Um, you know, Paul, in the book of Ephesians, who wrote the book of Ephesians, which is one of the books in the New Testament, the Bible, Paul actually says that uh, he prays that, that we would know this love that surpasses human knowledge. Like Nicole was saying, the love of God goes beyond my finite mind's ability to understand it. So God has to do something for me to begin to understand it. And I always find it fascinating when people say, I, I know the love, I don't know it. You know, I, Do you know God? Well, I don't really know God. I don't know that I'll ever really know God until I get out of this shell that inhibits me and makes me think in human terms, act and live within human terms. I, when I get out of this and I see God face to face, maybe then we'll begin a journey of really starting to get to know God. But I know what I know of God through what he's revealed to me and through what I read about in the Bible. But life is a journey and our faith is a journey. In John chapter 16, Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit. And one of the terminologies that he uses, I think it's in verse 14, he says that um, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth, that he will be a guide. And I, I read that word and I think, you know, guides specialize in journeys, don't they? Guides don't specialize in destinations, but a guide specializes in a journey. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever been to the Taj Mahal. Anyone ever been to the Taj Mahal? I've never been to the Taj Mahal. I was just wondering if one of you had. Um, anyone ever been to, uh, Jackie, you've been to Europe. And, and when Jackie was in Europe, did you go to the cathedrals and have a guide that would show you? And anyone been somewhere fascinating, amazing place, and they had a guide, like a, a tour guide? Does anyone ever know what a guide? Um, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but your guide didn't say, right, everybody, let's get on the bus today. We're going on a tour. Okay, everyone, get off. It's over. I'm sure there were some things that your guide did in between. Is that, would it be fair to say that the guides kind of do something a little more in between that? And what guides do is they make sure that the most significant events and moments, they make sure that they stop and they make sure that they do the best that they can to get your attention because there's something significant at this point where we're stopping. 
There's something significant about that wardrobe where Imelda Marcos kept her 423 pairs of shoes. And so we're going to stop and I'm going to talk you through it. And let, I'm not going not to move on until I'm confident you know how many pairs of shoes Imelda Marcos had what brand they were, where she bought them, what colour they were, were they high strap, low strap, boots, high heels, mid heels. I'm going to make sure you know it, and then we'll move on to the next thing. Because a guide wants to make sure that you get the most out of the journey. They want to know that you get the most out of the journey. And it's interesting in John uh, 16 there that Jesus uses this terminology. He's beginning this process, he's prepping the disciples. So he's got these guys that are following him, these 12 Southern Galilean hillbilly type people that we would call the 12 disciples, and they're following him around. He gets to a point where he goes, Rightio, there's going to be a massive transition take place here. I'm going to go, and I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God to come down, and he'll pick up where I leave off. And he will continue to take you forward and to do the work of God on the earth in the same way that Jesus did when he was here. As a matter of fact, if you go and you read the book of, uh, of, of Acts, Acts is a history book about the first 30 years of the church. And if you read the beginning of it, it's the same guy that wrote the book of Luke that sort of continues on. It's like the book of Luke part two. And he starts by saying, the former account I made of Theophilus of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. In other words, he's saying what I wrote in the book of Luke before Jesus died was what Jesus did and taught. That was the former account of what Jesus... But he didn't say the former account I wrote of what Jesus did and taught. He said what he began to do and talk. In other words, what I told you back here that Jesus did when he was here on the earth in bodily form, he's continuing to do that in this next book I'm writing called Acts. It's still Jesus doing it. He didn't die and then all of his work stopped. He's continuing to do things. Just instead of doing it in one body, in one place at one time, now he's doing it in millions of bodies, in millions of places all around the world in these people that are called the church. So the Spirit of God dwells upon them and God is continuing to do the stuff that he does. Through. Have you ever thought about the crazy concept that you're like a, you're like a mini Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? I know, you're probably flashing through your mind how you carried on this morning before church, like, oh my goodness, no, Jesus wouldn't do that, you know. Jesus wouldn't say that, he'd be all together. But we kind of are. The spirit that was upon Christ, that enabled him to do the things that he did, is the very same spirit that's on you and me. And Jesus said in John 16 that that part of that spirit's job is to be your guide, is to guide you. So in a very real sense... We don't just get on the bus and get to the end and get off and the guide says it's over. We walk to the pearly gates and they go, in you come, yes, it's heaven, let's start it. The Spirit of God is upon us now as a guide. So he drives the bus along in your life, he gets to a certain point and he stops. Why does he stop? Because there's something significant he wants to show you right now. There's a significant thing. There's something, a point of interest, something of value. There's something here that I want to show you, get your attention on, because this thing here is going to be part and parcel of you having a fantastic tour. You having a fantastic journey, continuing on on that journey. Now, 
We would call those probably significant moments. We would call them uh, life-shaping circumstances or situations. Things happen to us in our lives, and we know that they're pivotal moments. And they're moments where we could either go this way or we could go that way. Anyone in a moment like that in life right now? There's something significant going on, and you know that I've got a choice to go this way or I've got a choice to go that way, and both choices are going to have consequences. Both choices are going to uh, uh, put me in another set of circumstances that will either be good for me or bad for me. I remember years ago, <coughs> excuse me, when Johnny was a, a kid, our, my, our, our middle son, he's not here today, when Johnny was a real little kid, and me and Jackie, we lived on, um, what was the uh, name of that street? Temple Street in Ballina. We lived in Temple Street in Ballina when we first moved here, and we had a canal at the back of our, our, um, our, our, our house. Beautiful, beautiful brown water and slime when you put your feet in there. <laughs> But anyway, we lived on it. It was a water view. That's all that mattered. It was a water view. And, and every now and then you see a dolphin come up, <laughs> roll over and, and then just float. That was the end of him. But it was still a water view, people. We had a water view. I remember one day we were sitting there, me and Jackie, and we were watching uh, the kids were sort of just swimming. They just sort of in up to about their knees. And, and Johnny was always the one that would sort of push the envelope as a kid. If you said... If, if, if we said, look, go up to the back of the room, most kids would, would find the space and walk. Johnny would climb over this chair and then over that chair and over that chair. He just, if it was hard and difficult and not the normal way to do something, that's what he would want to do. He's always been like that. I remember um, one day watching TV when we lived in Brisbane and uh, we had a window open and Jackie's sitting on the lounge and uh, I can't remember who was sitting next to him and who was, I think you were next to him, weren't you? Or was it me? One of us was sitting next to him, the other one was on the other side, and one of us said to the other one, just don't panic on nothing, just reach up and just grab Johnny. And here was Johnny on our second story window with the window open with his Buzz Lightyear suit on and his Buzz Lightyear cape about to do to infinity and beyond and jump out the window because that's what you do, you know, it was Buzz Lightyear when he was a kid. But I remember one time we were sitting there and we were watching the kids swim and I remember saying very clearly to Johnny and and the boys, don't go out past about this far because it kind of dropped off and if you do, you'll be in trouble. Well, should have known. What I should have said is, you two, you, you, it was only um, Jordan and Caleb at the time, you two don't go beyond there. Johnny, I don't want you any closer to the shore. That's what I should have said because then I would have guaranteed his safety would have stayed in. So what do you think Johnny does? No, he, 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 I'm, I'm talking to Jackie. Next thing you know, I look up a split second and all I can see is fingertips out of the water and lips going... <laughs> while he's, and I can see underwater, he's trying to get his grip and he's just slowly sinking. And the water's brown and yucky and, and being the athlete that I am, I leapt over my own wife's head, just bang. Didn't even, no run up, no nothing, Joe. You should have seen me, it was amazing. Just from a standing start, Bang like that, straight over the top of my wife and I, I, I got to the water's edge. By that stage, he's underwater. I reached down, I grabbed him and I pulled him out. Now, he ended up in that circumstance because he was completely disobedient to us. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in that situation in life, don't we? Sometimes we do the wrong thing. There are consequences. There are consequences for every action that we do, right or wrong. And Johnny did the wrong thing and there were consequences. Now, I didn't allow that to happen. I did everything I could to stop him from being in that situation. But he disobeyed me and he found himself in an awkward situation. And, and how many of us have ever done that with God? How many of you have ever done, you knew it was wrong, you knew you shouldn't have done it, but you've gone ahead and you've done it anyway, and then this ugly thing called consequence. Oh, we hate consequence. Consequence comes upon us and we've got to deal with the consequences of our actions. And, and there's a way. There's a way to deal with those consequences. We can turn that situation into a positive if, if we deal with it the right way. 
Then there are other times where, you know what, you may have done nothing wrong. There's a, a story in uh, John chapter 9, I think it is, where, where there's a man born blind and the disciples come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it him? Was it his parents? Which one of them messed up so that this guy is born blind? In other words, every time something bad happens, there has to have been some sin. Anyone ever heard that from Christians? If you're going through a bad situation or a difficult patch or, or life is not as rosy as what you would like it to be or maybe not as rosy as the preacher says it should be when you come to faith, uh, then it must be sin in your life. There's something wrong with you. You've, you've missed the mark of God somewhere because if you were doing life properly, you wouldn't end up in a situation like this. They, these people have torn the entire book of Job out of their Bibles. Um, you know, does the Bible not, does the book of Job not start by God saying, have you considered Job? He's a righteous man. Job was righteous before he went through anything that he went through in that book. And Job's a story of a man who stood before God, was prosperous, had it all, lost it all. And at the end of it, was still able to say, you know what? I'll still trust in you, God. No matter what happens, God, I'll still have my faith in you. I'll still trust you because my faith is not in the actions and activities and blessing of God. It's in the character and nature of God. God is good regardless of what my world might look like. Amen. So you get this situation in John where, where the disciples straight away think, well, who's done the wrong thing? Because if you're in a negative, bad situation like that, born blind, somebody has messed up. But it's not always the case. And I find that as I go through life, that those significant moments on the journey where the God will stop and show me something, I have two options. I either respond to what the God is showing me, I respond in that moment. Or, and I think Nicole shared that a little bit in her story this morning. Or I brush it to the side and I just keep on going and think, well, it'll, it'll just, over time, this issue will deal with itself. You know? If I just keep running fast enough, I'll get far enough away from it, it won't catch up with me. How many of you know these things tend to creep back into our life? Issues and things like that, when God tries to put his finger on stuff, it comes back to us. It comes back to haunt us, if you want to put it that way. Our sin catches up with us. Our mistakes catch up with us. Uh, the consequences of our actions, they catch up with us. There's a, a, a verse, and I just want to draw your attention to this, this verse this morning. In John chapter 16, just before Jesus begins to talk about the Holy Spirit as a God, he makes this statement to his disciples. He says this, John sixteen twelve. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Think about that. You're one of the disciples. You're running around with Jesus. You're seeing miracles. You're seeing bread be broken. You're seeing thousands being fed. You're seeing the the Pharisees come up and go, but Jesus, you did this. And Jesus asked them a question. They go, da, 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 da. I'll come back down. Because they couldn't handle it. He's seen blind eyes open. They've seen dead people raised. They've seen lepers cleansed. And all of this stuff that they've experienced and they've seen. And then they get to this moment where Jesus is about to go and he says to them, he says, I've actually got so much more for you. I've got so much more I want to say to you. I want to tell you things about your future. I want to, I want to take you from where you are to the next stop on the journey. I want to reveal to you your purpose. I want to reveal more of you to, uh, about the plan of your life. Why did I put you here on planet Earth? So I believe all of us were put here with fingerprints and DNA of God inside of us, which means you have DNA of greatness. Amen? We are all here to contribute something positive to the world in which we live. That when we leave this place, when we leave planet Earth, when our time is up in this shell, that, that if we could, as we depart the body and we look back down that journey, I could see, yeah, I've, 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 left, I've left some good stuff behind. 
left some goodness behind. I've left the fragrance of God back there on planet Earth. I've been a blessing to my family, to my community. I've been a blessing in the workplace. I've pointed people to the right way of life. I've pointed people to God. That's what I think part of our journey is. Now, Jesus is saying to them that I've got more things I want to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. Listen to the words. He's saying there is more. There is more. There's more than what you've experienced, more than what you've heard, more than what you've encountered. There's more. There's more, there's more, there's more. And notice he doesn't say, but, but I'm not willing to tell you. He says, I can't. I can't tell you. Why can't I tell you yet? Well, because the foundation of your life is not strong enough to handle it yet. Yet. He says, you can't bear it now. In other words, down the track, there's going to come a time where you'll be able to bear it. There'll come a time where maybe you'll be able to handle the next step. You'll be able to handle what I want to show you, what I want to say to you. But right now, where you're at right now, you're not in the right place. I can't take you there yet. I can't speak it to you. I can't show you right now. Because there's a process that we go through. It's the journey of life. Um, I've got a problem at the moment with my car. You know what happens when I put the key in, the lock, um, it... (laughs) It doesn't turn. It won't unlock. Some days I'll stand there for an hour and give up in frustration, go inside, come back out six hours later or something, and then it might open. But I know it's going to happen. I'm just about to bust my key. Now, here's the funny thing. I know that. I'm telling you that even this morning when me and John got in the car, we went to unlock the car. It wouldn't unlock. So I'm putting more and more pressure. I'm thinking any minute now the key's just going to go chink and half the key's stuck in the lock and then I'm in all sorts of trouble. But you know what? Even though I know that, I'm doing nothing about it. Not a thing. You know what I'm doing? I'm coming out every day just jamming the key in and turning it harder and harder, just hoping. I know it's going to break. I know there's a problem. I know it's going to have dire consequences. I know it's going to stop me going forward, getting in. But you know what? I'm doing nothing about it. How insane is that? Even now while I'm talking to you, I'm thinking you're insane. You know this is going to happen, but you're doing nothing about it. How many of us know where this thing is going to take us? We know the, the, the place where we are in life right now. We know the, the, the weakness or we know the temptation that wants to grip us and take a hold of us. We know the decision that we're making that's probably not the best decision. We know the thing that's happening right now. We know where it's going to end up, but we keep doing it. We keep doing it. We don't address the issue. We don't address the situation. We don't do anything about it. We just keep putting the key in the lock and turning knowing that eventually this thing's probably going to destroy me. Isn't that insane? Yet we do it all the time. We do it all the time. And this is, I think, part of what Jesus is saying, is that I've got more that I want to say to you, more that I want to share with you, more that I want to give to you, but you can't bear it. That word bear means you can't carry it. You can't support that thing yet because you're not strong enough yet. Yet, you'll be there, you'll get there, I'll give you opportunity to get there, but you're not right now. Who's a Star Wars fan here? Anyone a Star Wars fan? You know the, the scenes in Star Wars? You are, Cooper, I know you are. You know the scenes in Star Wars where the, 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 the Jedi Master... I mean, I go back to the original Star Wars, so I'm not the new ones, but back with little green man Yoda, and Luke Skywalker lands on the, on the island, uh, and I can't remember the planet, and, and, and he's going to be trained up to be a Jedi. And I remember the scene where Yoda... Yoda looks at him and says, you're not ready yet. You know, everyone, and the new ones, they say, oh, you have much to learn, my young Padwan. Oh, did I get it right, Padwan? Padwan? You have much to learn, my young Padwan. What they're saying is you're not a place yet 
where you can carry the next lot of training or the next lot of information or the next lot of opportunity that I want to give. You're just not quite there yet. We live in a, a generation of young kids today that don't care about the journey. They just want the destination, don't they? You can be honest. You want to leave school and you want to get a job that pays 425000 a year. You want a brand spanking new BMW straight away, a house on the hill overlooking the ocean. You only want to work three days a week. And you can't understand why you can't have that. You're angry at mum and dad in the world because I want to walk out of school and have the same lifestyle you've got right now. Let's forget the fact that they've taken 30, 40 years to get there. You want it now. Huh? You don't have to admit that. I'm not asking you to put your hand up. But I'm looking at some here, watching. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. We want the end result. We want the destination, but we're just not as excited about the journey. You know what the, the, the news is for us? It's this. It's that if we want the destination, we want the end result, you can't have it without the journey. You can't have it without when the guide stops on the tour and goes, hey, I want to speak to you about this. Hey, I want to show you this. I want to, I want to reveal this to you. I want to, I want to uh, give this opportunity to you. Maybe, hey, I want to show you a weakness here and a way to strengthen that or a way around that situation or that problem. Sometimes we're so far down the track, we're so far down here that we miss the moments where the guide stops us and goes, hey, I want to get your attention on this. And we can't just keep on running because those things will still be there. Amen? Those things build up. They get caught up in the background. I've got so much more uh, here that I wanted to share, but it's 12 o'clock, so uh, we're going to have to finish up here. But the truth is this with most of us. We want the destination without the preparation. And the journey is about the preparation. It's about getting ready. It's about getting ready so that we can carry the stuff we need to carry, hear the things we need to hear. I wonder, I've had this word, just, just that verse, running around in my spirit all this week. And I feel like it's a challenge for us individually. I'm looking at my own life going, okay, God, I know for years what you've revealed to me, what you've said to me. I, know, I, think, I feel like I understand a bit of my purpose. I feel like I understand where I'm going and what you have for me. But you know what? I feel like it's way down there. And I'm starting to think, God, maybe it's still down there because I'm not dealing with some stuff here. Maybe I've got to humble myself a little bit here, God, and pull back a little bit and go, well, hang on, Lord, what? I can't keep running from this issue or that issue, running from this place to that place. I can't make myself so busy in life that I don't address the areas in my world that are lacking because it's all part of building that solid, strong foundation in my world. You know, the disciples, I, I, I won't... Two quick things. There were two things that God had to build into the disciples before they could go on and change the world. And it was faith and it was fight. Faith and fight. There's that great passage in the Bible where uh, the storm, where Jesus calms the storm. We all know that story. Jesus puts the disciples on a boat to go across a lake and he jumps on with them. And halfway across the lake, a storm whips up. And the storm goes crazy, berserk. Jesus, the Bible says, is asleep on a pillow at the front of the boat. He's snoozing. He's just having a nap. He's cruising through this thing. The disciples are freaking out. They're yelling, they're screaming, they're accusing him. They wake him up and they accuse him. The Bible says, don't you care about us? He stands up, he calms the storm, does this amazing, amazing miracle. And then what does he do? You'd think that he'd turn around, the disciples would be cheering, there'd be a worship session because God's calmed a storm. Let's praise the name of Jehovah. You know, you would think all that. But the storm stops and Jesus turns around to the 12, wipes the sleep from his eyes and goes, where's your faith? <laughs> where's your faith? You see... He didn't want to change the weather that night. It wasn't part of his plan. He wasn't on the boat to be a weatherman. He was snoozing and sleeping. 
What he was trying to do was to show them this is what you should be doing right now. You see, we want the circumstances to be changed. God sometimes says none of the circumstances there to change you. That circumstance exists to change you. You're crying out to me to change the circumstance. You know what's going to happen? The circumstance won't be with you for the rest of your life. But guess what will be with you for the rest of your life? You. God is more concerned with changing me than he is changing all my circumstances. And I want to learn the lessons I need to learn while I'm on that boat in the middle of the storm. I want my faith to be built. What Jesus was saying to them was, you guys should have been able to sleep next to me. That's, that's, the, that's the people I want you to be, to be able to sleep next to me, head on a pillow next to me in the middle of a storm, because you know I've already told you you're going to make it. Don't stress out. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Don't accuse me of not caring. Don't do all that stuff. Trust me. Walk with me as I'm with you. Lay down next to me. Curl up and let's have a nap. Because you're going to make it through and you're going to come out the other end. The disciples needed to learn faith. We know they didn't have it before this encounter because when they took Jesus in the garden, what did they do? They all ran. They took off. They ran. After the resurrection, when the Holy Spirit came, I think that's when their faith came alive. That's when their faith came to the fore. And these men went on, they died for their faith. The second thing that, that, that God wanted to put into them before they could become the people they were was he had to put fight in them. Faith and fight. I love in Judges chapter 3. Judges chapter 3 in the Old Testament. The children of Israel have come out of Egypt. So you're out of bondage. You're out of Egypt. Wow. This is, they're in the promised land. Joshua has led them across the Jordan in the promised land. This is the glory, right? We're exactly where God wants us to be. Judges chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 says this. It says that God left certain nations in the promised land because he wanted the children of Israel to learn how to war. Hang on a second. We're in the promised land. Isn't that meant to be where there's peace and prosperity and we don't need to fight anymore? No. It says that he left certain people in there that he might test Israel by them. That is all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. Why? Because God wants his people to be full of faith. God also wants his people to be full of fight. The people that change the world are people who are full of faith and people who are full of fight. The disciples went on after the resurrection when they saw Christ, they were filled with the Spirit. Two things they had in abundance was they had faith and they had fight. And I feel a challenge this morning from God. I feel like God's challenging me, but I also feel like this was a word for those of you that call a rise home. I feel like this is a word for us. We've got this building we're going to walk into in a few weeks' time. We've got this opportunity here to do something. God's pulled us together for a reason. I don't know all of it yet. Neither do you. But there's a plan and a purpose in his madness. There's a method to what God is doing. And I feel like God's been challenging me and just asking me the question about us as a church. Are we ready? Are we ready to carry it? Are we ready to bear the next step that he wants us to do? Because it's not about relocating. I don't, I don't want to go up there and just sit in a building and have church services on a Sunday. I don't know about you, but if, if that's all life is about, you know, I'd rather go back and manage Dan Murphy's again. <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest with you. I was in contact with people. I felt like, you know, there was great opportunities there to share with people and express God's love to people. I don't want to go up there on a building and just go, hey, look, we've made it because we've got a building. Yes, we're a church now. We've got a building. Woo-hoo! It's not about that. It's not about that. We're up there for a reason. And God's going to reveal that to us and God's going to show us why if we're prepared and ready to bear that and to carry that. And he wants us to be people of faith and he wants us to be people of fight. Where does faith and fight come from? comes through the circumstances of your life the decisions you make and the way that you confront them when you get on that bus and the guy says let's stop i want to have a look at this let's talk about this significant event this significant moment significant thing in your life how do you respond to that because that's where you build fight and that's where you build faith when we face those things head on we we do with the stuff that we need to do we deal with the things we need to deal with every time we do that we strengthen ourselves, and god goes right 
You're the person I can just give you a little bit more and 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 a little bit more. Amen? Faith and fight. Faith and fight. Get those two things into you. How do you do that? Dealing with the situations and the circumstances of your life the way that God wants you to deal with them. Not the way you want to all the time, but the way that we know God wants us to deal with those things, the way we know God wants us to live our life. Father, I want to thank you for this morning, God. We thank you, uh, Lord, for uh, God being here with us. God, I pray for each person in this room. Uh, Lord, would you seal in their hearts whatever it is that the Holy Spirit has spoken to them individually this morning, God. Let them walk out of here, Father, and not just move on to lunch and move on to the rest of the day, but I pray, God, that we would think about your word, we would think about the things that we've heard. God would allow those seeds to take root in our heart and to grow. And Father, for each of us as well that are here, God, as we go, I pray in the next seven days, give each and every one of us an opportunity to show the love of God to somebody out there that at this stage of life does not yet know that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Right out. God bless, guys. Thank you again for uh, the YWAM. Guys, if you're interested in knowing a bit about YWAM, grab them, have a chat with them. There's some more morning tea up the back there. There's tea and coffee still. Hang around, chat, run off, do whatever you've got to do. Uh, have a fantastic week. And if we don't see you before, hopefully we'll see you back here next Sunday for the countdown of, of three Sundays or two Sundays to go. Or I, can't, I don't know how many. But it's getting close.